Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. had four, and now we're going to take a break uh, from the awakening. Uh, We won't have any until September and October, September for the men, October for the women. Uh, I went to the uh, ministers, sectional ministers meeting yesterday and promoted it to our ministers, and some of them are going to get on board, uh, so we'll be able to spread this into some other churches as well. But we want to have just a few testimonies this morning as to what happened at the awakening. And we're gonna start with Annie first, Annie Milwaukee. So I'll bring the mic to you. Good morning, everyone. Um, I was very blessed and fortunate to be part of the awakening this weekend. Um, My calendar was free, amazingly. It was a divine appointment. Um, And I heard that multiple times through different speakers. Um, I also want to uh, let you know that it is no coincidence today that uh, some of the songs that we had um, during our worship service were some of the songs that I absolutely love and truly speak to me. Um, Also, the one that I clearly remember on the day that I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So, no coincidence, or it's completely a God incidence, and I'm not sure who, um, which, which, Pastor had come and said that, but it was God incidents. Um, I would like to tell you that besides the baptism of the Holy Ghost, this was the most powerful and moving experience I personally had with Jesus. Praise God. It was amazing. Praise God. Um, I didn't think I could cry anymore, but I am again (laughs) now. So um, I just want you to know that We had multiple speakers and they were amazing. They all spoke to me. The testimonies spoke to me. So if you think that you might not have made a difference, you did to me. So all of the people that were there serving and helping, thank you. Um, Particularly one thing in our interpretation today, um, some of those things were things that I had built my wall. And um, I thought it was for protecting me when I realized Yesterday, it was really separating me Mm. from God. And it was so powerful. And through this experience, I was able to bust down the wall with Jesus. Praise God. And get back and get closer to him. So thank you. And I highly recommend if you have those dates already listed, make sure you clear your calendar because it is worth every minute. Thank you. It's a miracle that I'm standing up here right now um, because I'm really nervous and because when I was 27, I decided to turn my back on God. I was done with him. Um, It was going to be Adrian's way because I didn't like God's way anymore. And first of all, If you are one of those people that have said that in your own head, the awakening is not for you, I don't need it, I'm good, I've got nothing going on, Um, I think you're wrong. (laughs) Because I think anybody and everybody can benefit from it. 
And uh, my sister Angela has been asking me to come to the awakening for quite a while. She's been asking me to come to a lot of things for quite a while in this church. And I've always told her, no, I'm okay. And I thought it was okay. So when I was 27, I turned my back on God. I had this image in front of me, in my head, of how Adrian's life is going to be. And it was this beautiful oasis that I had created in my head. And when I started running that way, I ran hard, I played hard, I lived hard. And eventually, it got kind of tiresome. And I slowed down a little bit. Ange kept inviting me. I kept telling her no. And... Um, you know, I can look back now on, on my life and choices I've made, and I can see God's hand has been there all along, and he's just reaching out saying, Adrian, take my hand. I'm like, Amen. no, God, I'm okay. Right. And <clears throat> I think God probably gets exhausted of me saying that all the time. I imagine that God probably, you know, whether he's in heaven, I imagine he's always by me, right by my side. He's my buddy. Hey, God. We do knuckles. Um, <laughs> And I can imagine he's just like holding his head saying, Adrian, what are you doing? This is not my plan. Why are you making these choices? And so I think he probably just finally stuck his foot out instead of his hand. And I face planted hard into the ground, hit rock bottom. And um, I didn't think it was an amen moment at all. I was mad. <laughs> um, but that's when... <clears throat> I can look back and, you know, all the times that my parents have been praying for me and people have come up to me from here when I've seen them in the streets saying they're praying for me. You know, I just kind of washed it aside and those moments came flooding back and you guys have been praying for me and praying for me. And I had one lady come up to me yesterday at the awakening and say, I've been praying so hard for you for years. I'm like, well, now you can finally stop. Because <laughs> I'm home. But no, please do pray for me still. But um, so... When I was knocked down to the ground, I realized that this oasis in front of me was actually just an awful, filthy mirage that the world wants you to believe is for pleasure and for wonderfulness. And it's not. Um, I am living proof that it's not. And <clears throat> I went to the awakening expecting miracles. Um, but I came to the awakening with an attitude. And I can tell you that I felt about 700 pounds lighter leaving this place on Friday. Um, just the weight of the world that I've been carrying around, all the burdens, heartache, all the, you know, all the things from my past that, you know, I thought I gave it to God, but I didn't really give it to God. I was still hanging on tight to it. I was able to let that go, and it was the most liberating thing. I had to sit front and center at the awakening, not by choice, mind you. I'm a sit-in-the-back-pew kind of girl. But I got the opportunity to take a quick look at the altar, and there's some spots that are worn out. <clears throat> and my first thought was, wow, this carpet needs to be changed. My second thought was, but holy man, imagine all of the tears that have been poured out on this altar, all of the miracles that have happened and the blessings that have come from this altar. It's amazing. Praise God. And um, some of those are mine. And I'm proud of it. I'm glad that I have a place to come and lay my burdens down. 
And if, if there's anything that I can encourage you with, if you have not gone to the awakening, go. You are cheating yourself out on a blessing. Blessings come in all shapes, forms, sizes. Miracles come in all shapes, forms, and sizes. And, you know, it doesn't matter how big or small they are. If you have any doubt in your head about God, if you have any heartache that you're carrying on to, God will take care of it. And if you want to feel closer to God, come. I've never felt God's presence so strongly. You are cheating yourself out if you do not come to the awakening. So I challenge you to go. Preach it. Praise God. Thank you, Adrian. That I don't know how to follow that because <laughs> God is just so good. And I was going to tell you a specific incident that happened for me, but you know, I'm not going to tell you that because I just want you to know everything about the awakening is awesome. From the music that is exactly the perfect music to the food, which is lovingly prepared, to the servers and the prayer, the, what goes on in the background. You know, we do not see all that it takes to put on this awakening. It takes so much. And Satan does not want it to happen. And I got probably more of a blessing this past weekend than I did going to the awakening as a server. Hmm. Praise God. So I want to encourage you that if you know you have been to the awakening to try your hand, you will be blessed. You may think, oh, I don't know what to do. It. God knows where you're needed. And God put me with just the right lady. Well, I will tell you this quick. None of us knew her. She, her daughter dropped her off, and she was coming to the awakening. She wasn't feeling well. She couldn't eat anything, and she was scared to death. A little, a little bit older woman, but we got her through it. She sat through, and right away when I prayed with her, I just felt like I was praying for my mom. Now, my mom's been gone almost 10 years. So I went back in the back and started praying and told Sister Barney and I said, I miss my mom. Because <laughs> praying for her, I just felt it was my mom. And I guess I kind of wished it was. I wish that we'd had the awakening for her when she was alive. So later on when I was praying with her, I shared with her that I felt that she was my mom when I was praying with her. And she broke down and... All, all the walls that she had put up came down. She had lost her 45-year-old daughter in January to brain cancer. Mm. And so the love that God had given me for her, she was receiving it back from her daughter. So it was so cool how God works. So Amen. I just encourage you. God is so awesome. Amen. And all of the love, that's another thing I want to mention besides the food and, <laughs> and the music, is the love. I mean, there's so much love and healing and wholeness that takes place. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Beth. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. That's a great report. We've had 134 people go through the awakening so far. That's wonderful. Amen. 
One last thing I want to mention. All of these ministries should be working together. They are not separate entities. Do you understand that? The awakening feeds his recovery and vice versa. We direct people to one another. And our home Bible study program is absolutely vital to the growth of the church. This is what I wanna share with you. Before I came to know the Lord, this was the invitation I got, and I wanna give it to you this morning. The man said, said it to me this way. He said, I would, I'm wondering if you could give 12 hours of your life to the study of the word of God. I will take you from Genesis to Revelation one hour a week for 12 weeks. At the end of that, I promise you this, you will know more about the scripture than you've learned previously in your entire life and the decisions you make toward God could make a difference in your eternity and it won't cost you 10 cents. Are you interested? And I'm offering that to you today. Are you interested? We have lots of people in this congregation that teach home Bible studies. And if you're a home Bible study teacher, Brother Wilbur, would you please, Brother and Sister Wilbur, would you please stand for a minute? Praise God. If you're a home Bible study teacher, would you please report to Brother and Sister Wilbur and say, hey, I, I teach home Bible studies, I have one, this is the time, or I teach home Bible studies and I don't have one. So that we can put a list up for all of the people here that are making that decision that I made 40 years ago, okay? And then we'll be able to list and show you where they're all at. But that's my question to you today. Are you interested in a home Bible study that could change your eternity? I'll leave it at that. Let's stand together. In honor of God's word, we'll go to John chapter 11. And verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, and she saw him, she fell at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, notice his emotion here for a few moments. He groaned in his spirit, and he was troubled. Have you ever groaned? Have you ever been troubled? So has the Lord. And said, he said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Here's emotion. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And then said the Jews, behold, this is their observation and conclusion of his emotion and his passion for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Behold how he loved him. Behold how he loved him. And today I want to speak to you for a few minutes on this subject, the love languages that God responds to, the love languages God responds to. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to remind you that all the miracles always begin 
at his feet. That's where Mary was in the passage that we just read. Then in 11 and 43, it says, when he had thus spoken again, it says, he cried, and with a loud voice he said, Lazarus, come forth. Now I'm putting the emphasis on crying, on loudness, on groaning, on trouble, because these are all a part of passion, and they are all a part of love. And he truly loved Lazarus. Because he did not heal Lazarus at the time that they wanted him healed, Mary and Martha made the mistake of thinking that Jesus didn't love them. That's a mistake. Jesus loves you, but he does things in his way, and he does them in his time, and he's got a very good reason for everything he does, and even in his timing. I know it's Palm Sunday, and I know that you're going to uh, be interested in, in talking about how Jesus came into Jerusalem and how they cut off the branches off the palm trees and laid them in front of him. But I have a word for somebody today that's not a, really a part of my message that is a part of Palm Sunday. I want you to take a look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 16. Because I think there may be somebody here today that thinks that God doesn't know where you are. God doesn't care about you. But you are incorrect. Notice this, we're talking about palms. There's another kind of palm here. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands, and thy walls are continually before me. Are you hearing what he's saying? You are grafted into God's hands. And every time he looks at his hands, he remembers why he died for you. You are not forgotten. You are not forsaken. You are not alone. You are always on his mind. And you are engraved in his hands. Don't let the devil lie to you. It's still Palm Sunday. Oh, clap your palms together. Bring the branches together for somebody that's worthy on Palm Sunday. Hallelujah. So worthy. Now, I want to talk to you about these five love languages. And I've, uh, I have to admit that I have stolen some of my material from a man by the name of Gary Chapman. There's a book called The Five Love Languages. I'm gonna hit these five points rapidly this morning, and if you uh, would care to get a hold of the book, it could be a great blessing to you. Love language number one. I'm gonna show you how they relate in our relationships. Can I take my time today? I know we went a little long on some other things. But this is really important that you get this message today. Real important. Our relationship with God needs to be a love language. With our spouse, with our family, with our friends, even as employees and employers, all of the most important relationships that we have, I'm gonna talk about today. And all of it is going to relate to those relationships 
and to your relationship with God. So I want you to be a little bit ahead of me when I get into these, okay? These five love languages. The first love language is words of affirmation. Everybody wants to be praised. You didn't want to say that because you're humble. (laughs) But everybody likes an attaboy once in a while. Everybody wants a thank you. You know, every, Mark Twain said, I can live on a good compliment for two months. <laughs> and you know what? You're going to catch more flies with honey than you are with vinegar. Right? So I'm making an effort. I'm trying to practice what I preach. I'm making an effort to be more thankful and praise people more. Because if I like it, they probably like it too. Now I'm not just saying sugarcoat everything, but you know what? Every night you come home and you have a good meal, have you ever thought to thank your wife? I I sit down at the table, it's all set, the food is all prepared, I don't know how long it took her, and I can eat it in 10 minutes. And I'm ready to go. But where's the affirmation? Everybody needs to be affirmed. You know even God needs to be affirmed? God inhabits the praise of his people. It attracts him. It brings him in. Here, let's, you want Palm Sunday? Here it is. John chapter 12, verse 12. On the next day, much people were come to the feast when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem and they took branches of the palm trees and went to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he, blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. He rode through their praise. Did you ever think of it that way? He rode, he came to it and then he rode through it. He rode through their praises. They were so excited about Lazarus being resurrected from the dead that they were cutting down the palm branches, waving them, singing hosannas, taking off their coats or sweaters, throwing them before the donkey, and he was riding through the praise. I hope you don't think that a worship service is just something that we do because we don't have anything better to do. It's attracting the Lord's presence. It's acknowledging him for who he is. Every song has a message. What's the message of each song? And if it rings true to you, it should bring you beyond singing to a point of worship and affirmation and thanksgiving. Luke 19 and 39, the same account, but according to Luke, Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples for this outrageous worship that is taking place. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these would hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. It ain't gonna happen because if the people don't do it, then nature will do it because nature recognizes him. That's why we keep a stone in our pulpit Worship, or the rocks will take your place. 
That's why we're the worshipers, which is the one title we get to keep. Love language number two, quality time. Quality time. Notice up in that upper corner, you see McDonald's? (laughs) Sister Unz is so crafty. She put that in there for me. Because you know, on a cheap date, I go to McDonald's for a 49 cent ice cream cone (laughs) with my wife. Or we just continue to ride in the car talking about us. I don't have money to take my wife out to dinner. Stop and see me after service. I'll give you a dollar and three cents. And give your wife or your spouse some quality time. Quality time. Let's have, I remember the greatest, one of the greatest compliments my wife ever gave me um, was that we were talking about, you know, we used to go to Texas all the time for her mother, almost to Mexico, and it's over 20 hours. And that's a long drive each way. And I said, you know, maybe we should start flying. You know, that's quite a drive. And she said, no, I don't want to, I don't want to fly. She said, I enjoy the ride with you on the way to Texas more than I'd enjoy a quick flight. See, now that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about quality time. You heard Adrian mention it, clear your calendar. How many of us have taken a calendar for the next month and said, these are the times that it's just gonna be you and I. These are the times it's just gonna be our family. Those things need to be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell on myself now. I may regret it later on, but sometimes you call me and you say, can I meet with you right away? And I have to say to you, I'm sorry, but I already have an appointment. I don't tell you who I'm with, but you know what? Sometimes I'm with my wife and we have this scheduled and I'm not busting off unless it's a dire emergency. You gotta have that kind of an attitude. Otherwise your spouse begins to think that your job or your ministry is more important than they are. And your kids, we've had this happen too, kids that resent their parents because the ministry came before the family. That is a huge mistake. So what you gotta do is if it doesn't get on the calendar, it doesn't get done. So schedule quality time with your family. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now the same is true with God. God wants quality time. You know, I, when we, we're having revival this week. I remember Brother Tamil said it this way. I can, it's amazing how many things I can remember that the man said. He said, you know what, if we have church and you're not there, what you're saying to God is, what I'm doing is more important than what you're doing. Uh-oh. Now that was Brother Tamil, not me. <laughs> but I am saying amen. Has your calendar been cleared this week? 
Are you open to what goes on where you can be ministered to and where you can hear from God and from his word? Are you open to being in a place where you can minister to people and be ministered to? How big of a priority is it for you to be in the house of God when the doors are open for quality time with God? Only you can answer that question. And how about even daily devotions? Did you ever think of it this way? When you wake up in the morning and God's got a smile on his face saying, I'm glad you're awake. Let's spend some time together. I want to show you this beautiful sunrise that I painted for you. Maybe God looks at things that way. And we look at things like, oh man, I'm late for work. Oh, I'm off to a bad start already. And we haven't given God the quality time, we've only given God the leftovers. God doesn't want the leftovers. He wants the best. He wants your quality time. Love language number three. Some people show their love by giving and receiving gifts. You try to buy people's love. That's another way that you can demonstrate your love. Birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, and even sometimes no reason in particular. You just bought some flowers for your wife and said, no reason in particular, I just wanted to tell you that I love you. And that can leave an impression on people. Few women anyway. But receiving gifts, buying things for people and showing them that you love them. Do you know that God likes gifts too? Did you ever consider that, that giving of your tithes and your offerings or giving to missions or whatever it is that God speaks to you about to give to is something that God likes? Have you ever thought that you are not really giving it to abundant life, you're giving it to God through abundant life? Because if you think it's just abundant life's money, then you're misunderstanding what the whole idea of giving is about. It's about giving to God of your first fruits. It's about giving to the work of the kingdom. Can I get an amen? It's about giving to others. Could God ever speak to us and say, walk up to this couple and give them 20 bucks and tell them to go have a good meal? And you don't even have to take the credit for it. You can just say, you know what? I believe God wants you, wanted me to do this, so here you go. That's the way that some people perceive things. Take a look at Acts chapter 10, verse four. Listen to what the angel said. The angel said, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. God has seen and God has heard. And now God is responding to your generosity and to your faithfulness in prayer and he's bringing you salvation. The man didn't even have salvation. Yet he was prayerful and he was a giver. And God could not, no longer not acknowledge those things. The fourth love language, acts of service. 
beyond our jobs, how do we really help each other? Do you ever volunteer to help out with the dishes? Pick up, clean up some things, take out the trash? That's another way that you can show that you love somebody is through acts of service. Very important that you, that you do what you can to make sure that the person that you're trying to relate to knows you love them. And you have to find out which of these buttons or several of these buttons work. Because what you sow, you're going to reap. Acts of service. Listen to what the Lord said in his word. He said, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. He said of people that helped other people, he said, insomuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Your service was first to me before it was ever to them. Now I want to talk to you about a servant for a minute. And um, this man, I'm only going to give you his first name. He lived in a small town in South Dakota. True story. And it has left such an impact on my life that I have never forgotten it. His name was Jim. Jim was a ruffian. He got in a lot of fights. He had some vices and some problems. He really needed his recovery. He really needed the help in the body of Christ. And somebody witnessed to Jim. And Jim started coming to church. And Jim received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it changed his life. Completely changed him. He was a hard worker. He was a carpenter. He was very good with his hands. He could make a living. And when Jim first came into the church, he got all excited about what he wanted to do for God. And pretty soon God called him to the ministry and Jim ended up being a pastor. And he pastored a good work. And he was a hard worker. And Jim had an assistant pastor and and the assistant pastor and he worked hard in the community with community relations and, and pretty soon God was blessing Jim and the church so much that Jim had his hands in several small businesses. But a terrible thing happened to Jim in all of his service. His assistant pastor one day embezzled funds, took money from the business so that the bills couldn't be paid, then accused Jim of being the one that embezzled the funds and skipped town. Jim had to go to all of his creditors and explain what had happened, and he made this vow. I promise you, I will pay you back every penny, and here's my plan. So Jim worked much harder now. Instead of working eight hours a day, he was working 12 hours a day or more because he wanted to pay off his creditors and get his reputation back in the community, which he succeeded at. He was very successful, but Jim was very hurt by what his assistant had done to him, but he forgave his assistant. And then another strange thing happened to Jim. In all the years that he'd been married, he thought he had a good marriage until one Sunday, his wife came into the office and she said, Jim, I no longer love you. I don't love the God you serve. I no longer want to be your wife. I have somebody else, and if you don't divorce me, I will kill myself tonight. That was before he went to the pulpit. And somehow Jim was able to take that situation and leave it on the bench 
and get in the pulpit and never say anything. His wife left him. They were divorced. She was with another man. But he carried on. He continued to pastor the church without his wife, did as best he could with his kids while she went another direction. He continued to be a good servant. Then sometime later, a lady came into the church, wonderful lady, and this lady got saved, and after a period of time, they started dating, and he married her. And for a few years, they had a wonderful marriage until one day he started feeling sick. So he went to the doctor and was diagnosed with terminal cancer. The doctor said, there's nothing we can do for you, Jim. Outside of a miracle, you're a dead man in a very short time. And Jim never got a miracle, and Jim died. But no matter that his best friend betrayed him and embezzled the funds, no matter that his wife left him for another man, no matter that he got cancer, suffered and died, Jim was always a good and faithful servant. None of that could stop him for the love that he had for God. And one of the ways he expressed himself was through his service to God. That left an impact on me. And if you're ever feeling sorry for yourself, I hope you'll remember Jim because you can make it and God will bring you through. He's faithful. He's faithful. Last love language I want to talk to you about this morning is the fifth, the physical touch. The physical touch. I'm talking about a smile, a hug, a kiss, even your arm around them sends a strong, strong message to somebody about how you feel about them. Do you know, and I, you'll probably be conscientious about it after I say this, but do you know I can shake a person's hand or receive a hug from them and know how they feel about me? Do you know that you can sense a person's spirit from 12 to 15 feet away? Before you ever have an encounter with them, you can sense their spirit and whether or not things are right. God's given us that ability, especially after we've received the Holy Ghost. So when you shake hands with somebody, shake hands like you mean it. When you hug somebody, if it's appropriate, and you hug them appropriately, hug them like you mean it. When you put your arm around somebody, let them know that, they, that you love them. It's important for them to know that. But when you come to the house of God, if you can acknowledge that that's the way you're supposed to be with people, isn't that the way we're supposed to be with God? No lukewarm worship. Force yourself. I don't feel like worshiping today. You probably won't feel like going to work tomorrow either. But you'll go. And if you go with a good attitude, the day will go better than if you go with a bad one. So you just get in there and you fake it till you make it. (laughs) And you give God the highest praise. And you hug and love on him. And you say it like you mean it. 
And you do everything you can to get around his feet and, and around him and wrap your arms around him and tell him how much you love him. And things will get a whole lot better because physical touch is one of the love languages. So I'm hoping today that you'll take these things that I've shared with you and apply them to all of your relationships and with your relationship with God. The five love languages that even God responds to. Has God been good to us? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Praise God. I want to tell you one last story before I invite you to this altar. Do you remember that there were that there were two men that came to an altar one day. It's, this is the way I picture it anyway. One man maybe was over here. The other man, he was over on the opposite side. The guy on this side had his face in the carpet. He was crying and telling God how sorry he was for the kind of person he was and the things that he had done. He was repenting over here. The other man over here, he wasn't on his face. He was standing, maybe he had his hands in his pockets and looked over at the man over there and he said, you know what, God? I'm so thankful that I'm not like that guy over there. I do this and I do that and I'm this and he's not. And the Lord rebuked this man but had mercy on this man. You know, one of my greatest fears for the church, I'm talking about the true believers, my greatest fear is that we become Pharisees. Self-righteous. I've done this and I've done that and therefore I'm a good person and they're not. So one day, I heard this from a preacher by the way, one day a man died and he supposedly went to heaven. When he got there, Peter was waiting for him and he said, we knew you'd be coming. He said, welcome. He said, but I gotta tell you something. It takes a thousand points to get into heaven. A thousand points, yeah. Yeah, it takes a thousand points. So tell me, young man, what have you done? Where are your points? He said, well, first of all, he said, I taught Sunday school. I taught the hardest class they had and I did it for a number of years. And I did it well and I was faithful. Peter said, good job. We're really proud of you. Five points. I said, five points? I thought I'd get more points than that. Five points, Peter said. I said, well, you know, you know I've, uh, I've been real faithful in my giving. I've done this and I've gave to that and I was faithful in that and I, you know, I'm a good giver and I, I've done it for all my life ever since I came to know the Lord. And Peter said, well done, that's good. We're really proud of you. We really appreciate what you've done for the kingdom. Five points. Five points. And he went on and on and kept listing and I'm not gonna bore you with all the things but he just kept listing all the things he'd done. When he got all done, he only had 50 points. And he turned and he said to Peter, I can't think of anything else that I've done and I've, I've only got 50 points. I guess the only way I'm ever gonna get into heaven is by the grace of God. And Peter said, that's 950 points. <laughs> 950 points. Hey, 
if Rick Kylie gets to heaven, it won't be because of Rick, what Rick Kylie did. It'll be because of what Jesus did. It'll be because of the grace of mercy of God. And it'll be the same for you. So let me ask you to do one more thing with me in, in conclusion today. Why don't we come and practice what we've preached this morning and spend some time loving on God and loving on one another and recognizing that we're this person and we're not that person. Can I get an amen? amen. This altar's open for prayer. Let's come and love on the Lord today. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.